So today's message is creating a new kind of community. So I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 5. It's the message translation because I really think it captures the essence of what we're saying. Are you ready for it? It says this, Peter, um, everyone knows Paul because he's wrote so many letters in the New Testament. Not many of us know John, but John's actually one of my favorites because he's, and actually James only does one letter and he's amazing. But Peter actually gets in there as well. And Peter was a fisherman. And he became one of the key leaders for the church. But let me say this. He says, I have a special concern for you church leaders. Oh, I know firsthand the pressure of what it's like to lead. Oh, I have seen with my own eyes Christ's suffering and crucifixion and look forward to the glory that is to come. Here's my appeal. Please care for God's flock and all the diligence, with all the diligence of a shepherd. Not because you have to, because you want to. You want to serve God. Lead with your heart and God's guidance, not for what you can get out of it, but for the benefit of others. Don't be bossy. But lead from a good example so that you, they can follow. When God, who is the chief shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule. He'll see that you've done it well and will commend you lavishly. You who are younger must follow your leaders. When it comes to all your relationships, clothe yourself with humility towards each other. God resists the proud, but he multiplies favor towards the humble. So be content with who you are and don't self-promote. God's strong hand is on you. He will promote you at the right time. Cast all your cares and concerns on Him and leave them with Him for He cares for you. Stay peaceful, stay alert for you have an enemy who prowls around like a lion ready to pounce. Don't give him the opportunity he's looking for. Keep your guard up. You're not, you're not the only ones who are facing difficulties. It's the same with all Christians everywhere. So keep a firm grip on the faith. Amen. Amen. How good is that? How good is that? So I guess if we're reading this and gleaning from it, you can see that really all of this is possible through humility. If you're going to lead, you need to lead with humility. If you're going to follow, it's going to take humility. If you're going to care for each other, if you're going to be cared for, it's going to be backed up with this spirit of humility. So I really feel like the wisdom there is really key. And I think community is a display of humility. I think the healthier community, the more healthier the humility. So in other words, what makes a community attractive, uh, makes it function, is that there's this key word here, and it's all done with humility. Humility is, I know who I am, and I know who I belong to. I know that I need God, but I also want Him more than anyone or anything else. So humility is profound. I think a lot of people want humility, but they don't realize you can't get humility without God. I'm a humble person. I'm sure you are. Who's your source? Me. Okay. Just love yourself, bro. Okay. How do I love myself? Where do I get my source from? You've got to remember, if you want love, you've got to go and get the, 
you've got to go to the source where love comes from. I just want to be authentic. Really? The key to the word is in the word. Author. You want authenticity, go back to the author of your life. It's the only way you're going to get authenticity. Everything else is a fake. Sorry, taken. Sorry, but just trying to help some people today. Is that okay? I also want to build a church where we can think. We need to be... Uh, I, I, I think people that know how to think for ourselves, we need to be independent, free thinkers. And I think some people feel like church is not like that, and that's because there's bad examples. But if you get God right in your life, he'll cause you to, like a parent, should raise our children up to think for themselves. It's wrong when we shrink our children down to they need us. They're in their 30s and they still need us. Yeah, they still need us, but in a different way. <laughs> And I really hope that you understand that. So let me keep going. Care is always possible when there's connection. It's hard to care for people who are not connected. Care is always possible when there's connection. And the enemy loves it when we disconnect because disconnection limits this profoundness of care. If you want to be cared for, just stay connected. Well, I want to be cared for, but I don't always want to be connected. Okay, so what's talking here? It's definitely not him. You know, it's supposed to be less of you, more of him. Not more of you and less of him. That's where ego kicks in. And ego will hurt any church. It'll hurt any enemy. It'll hurt any relationship. It cannot be about you. And I really hope everyone understands that. So God's plan is connection. And that's where you'll see connection from God and care from God by being connected. And I think care gets worked out through the community as well. God cares for you through the friends you keep. One of God's blessings to your life is the friends that you have. He actually uses friends to bring care for you. So what I want you to understand is that as a church, we only do three things. So just let me do this and then I'll move on. Is that okay? Three things as a church, just to recap from last week, not... Three things as a church. Back up. Thank you, team. Three things as a church. Spiritual poverty, loneliness, and physical poverty. The reason we're talking about community day is because we need to deal with the biggest giant called loneliness. And there's a lot of very few specialized people in this field who are working overdrive to try and deal with this problem called loneliness. You can't take a pill for loneliness. No one's going to subscribe you. Go to your doctor this week, GP, and say, hey, have you got anything for loneliness? The system is not wired to say, go get some great friends. Here's a little, oh, kindness project, Berlin. They're not going to give you that. They're going to give you some, something else, some, something chemical that is from a pharmaceutical company that is making a lot of money from people not well. And you could say, well, they're all about making people well, well well or dependent. It's a very big conversation. All I'm trying to say is, is I'm not arguing. I'm just saying, do we know what loneliness is at the root, not just the fruit? Symptoms are easy. But deep down, a lot of the symptoms are coming from a deeper issue. And that is, I don't know who I am. I don't have a purpose for my life. I am not celebrated. I don't feel like anybody sees me. I don't think anybody wants me. And there's a deep disconnect in our own souls. And that's why building a community helps that. You see all them clips I've just showed you. The water baptism, sense of purpose, sitting at the table in the park with friends, eating together, breaking bread together. Amen. Purpose. Purpose. 
People who don't even come to church will leave that night and go, this has been one of the best nights of my life. How could they say that? We didn't quote a Bible verse. We didn't read from Isaiah or Galatians. It was just sitting at a table of generosity and hospitality. You don't have to quote the Bible. Just be a reflection of the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And this is what I think is so under attack. We're going to build new churches. We've got to build the kind of churches where heaven can move to earth. And he uses flawed people like us, which is profound. So let's go back to the other screen. And these are the three pillars of care. Thank you, team. And I want you to see this because it's actually important that we have an idea. Three pillars of care. Thank you. Three pillars of pastoral care in our church. The first one is relational, developing healthy friendships. Oh my goodness, this is so hard. A friendly church. Are we a friendly church? Oh, not enough said that. It's nice to be friendly, but we've got to move from friendly to, Friends. to Friends. friendships, friends. So how do you go from a friendly church to a church of friends? It's not that easy. Why? Because you've got to let someone in. Well, last time I let someone in, they hurt me, took advantage of me, mistreated me, disappointed me. Maybe I was trying to get from them what I should have been getting from God anyway. Hello, when am I going to learn? Don't put your hand up. Just look straight ahead. And don't nudge anyone. All I'm trying to say is is we do need help. And different cultures, different scenarios. But in Berlin, let me tell you, loneliness is through the roof. The number one problem in this city is not just crime or, or neglect or impoverishment. The number one issue in this city is failed relationships. People don't know how to have a meaningful relationship. You can suck your sex yourself up and do whatever you want to do, but it, it destroys you, it dismantles you, it obliterates you because you can't find what you're looking for through just one level. And God has constraints for his people, and he says it's not to be disposed of. It's not to be, it's a sacred thing that needs to be done with sacredness. That's what builds trust. And actually builds you with your heavenly father. So promiscuous society, anywhere, anyone who studies social science will tell you, a promiscuous society is always a broken society. You don't find healing by being promiscuous. So I'm not trying to be a prude. I'm just trying to say we are God's people and we need to bring wisdom to the table. It doesn't make us weirdos. It just makes us actually probably profoundly wise and useful for bringing healing into the broken places. So how do we build friendships? Well, I believe we've got to, first of all, understand what friendship we have with Jesus. You get your source of friendship from the one who is the greatest friend. I now bring you into all that my Father has revealed to me. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. His definition of friendship is, I let you in. And that's the big one. Who gets in determines who the friends are. And that's where you need the wisdom of God this year. Be wise who your friends are. And really learn from the wisdom of God on how to build great friendships. Is that okay? You know, ultimately you'll have friends if you learn to be a friend. I think a lot of people haven't got friends because they just don't know how to be a friend. And it's like you need investment. You need to include people. You need to invest into people. And you need to be interested in people. I'm not talking Bumble-type interest. (laughs) Online dating is is just a phenomenon that's come out of our current crises of how do we actually get together. 
And, uh, and it's made some individuals incredibly wealthy. And one of the big strategies now with the online platforms is they're realizing that the social fabric, our uh, social interpersonal skills are at all time low. So they're now going to run coaching sessions for interpersonal relationships and they're going to make a lot of money. Hook yourself up. But what I need you to understand is why are we a church then? What are we doing? Why don't we start creating online platforms? The point I'm making is it's not what the church is doing. It's what we, you, the individual. I don't believe it's an organizational strategy. I believe it's a personal strategy of all the uniqueness that's within us. Don't turn the church into an institution. Because God never intended it to be institutionalized. He intended it to be a fragrance of heaven on earth in Jesus' name. And that's what I mean about building local churches, local communities, redemptive stories at work before all of us. So second part is educational. We've got to consistently learn new things. I learned about marriage in the house of God. I would have been a terrible husband to my wife. In fact, she wouldn't have touched me. Why? Because I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up in the house of God. I didn't grow up with the Bible. I didn't grow up with any religion. So what I learned, I learned from the playground. I learned from every other platform that wasn't godly. So I didn't learn to give. I learned to take. I learned to please myself. I wasn't a druggie or a mess. I was just a self, self, self-centered person who looked nice, meaning acted nice. I don't want to say, um, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to say is I've learned so much by being in the house of God. And we're going to run a marriage course this year. Why? Because marriage is going to be something that we need to put effort into. But we've got to do it with the grace of God in Jesus' name. Why? Because what message have we got to the world if all our marriages are failing? And I could go on and on and on. The third one is professional, special care, specialized care. There's no doubt that we need uh, the psychologists, the therapists, and those amazing people who dedicate themselves to people's well-being. But you still need wisdom in this area. I'm not saying they all have to be Christian. That's not always helpful. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It's just, I'm just letting you know the three pillars of pastoral care in our church. This is on our radar. We put emphasis on the first one so we don't have to drain the third one. If there's no relationships in the first part, we're going to have to be very dependent on the third part. And I'm telling you, I, I'm not going to spend all my days counseling when I can encourage an atmosphere of friendships and relationships. I would rather have high friendships, low counseling, than high counseling and low friendships. That's the kind of church we're building. And I'm hoping I'm stirring you to think here because you need to think. Because a lot of people don't think in this area. They kind of think in every area, but when it comes to church, oh, really? And we need to understand your life matters. The care and the love and the connection over your life is absolutely crucial. And we, as leaders, with humility, don't take your life for granted. We want you to know that you can build great friendships. I don't want you to feel like you're coming here and you feel uncomfortable because there's weirdos. No, no, no. If you're weird, we're going to sort you out. How do we do that? Community sorts weird people out. Why? Because you're not allowed to be weird in community. I feel like I have to say more on this subject, but I'm going to hold back. Is that okay? There are certain things you can't do. There's certain things you shouldn't do. And yet, 
we're going to have to help each other. You know, some guys, they don't know, actually know how to interact with the opposite sex. And let me tell you, I didn't. And I'm not like weird, it's just, I, I met Joyce, right? Let me try and break this down and de-hostilize this, all right? When I met Joyce, I walked through the door one day and I couldn't get through the door because Joyce was trying to walk through the door. She got fed up of me walking through the door before her because I didn't even concept, I even clue that I'm supposed to open the door for her and let her walk through. So one day I'm walking through, boom! And Joyce is like on a mission to go through the door before me. <laughs> and, and I'm using my own, okay, so you can lean in, all right? Listen, I had no idea. And you can say what you want. Is that in the Bible? No, but there's lots of things in the Bible. It says about treat all relationships with humility. Yeah. I had no idea about opening a door. I get in the car, shut the door, drive off. I forgot Joyce wasn't even in the car. <laughs> oh, you want me to open the door so you can get in? Yes. She grew up in the house of God. She actually had some idea of interpersonal relationships. She actually knew what manners were. I had no idea. Thank God that I'm learning. I'm learning. I only do it now and again. Okay. What I'm trying to say to you is, we don't realize the power of community sometimes. Now, am I talking about a controlling community? Let me get to that. There's three types of community that I want to talk on here. And then I'm going to ask us to decide which one do we want. Is that okay? And then I'm going to try and finish on this. Because the truth is, my challenge is i got way too much to say. <laughs> and so many of you, your precious children are waiting. And you've only got so much time on Sunday. And there's so much to take on board. I totally get that. And sometimes my temptation is to try and get it all in now. Because I may not see you again. <laughs> However, I am going to work and be more disciplined so I can shrink it. Okay? So let me give you just a summary of... Three types of community. And we put all of these notes out for you to get a hold of them. And we put seven things on the cards for you. And this week is seven reasons to stay connected to a godly community. Okay, I'm not going to talk on that, but I'm going to say that's available for you if you want to learn and build it into your life. So the first area, it's called the religious way. It tends to be three ways we live our lives. The religious way. The religious way is interesting because we live in a city and we live in a part of the world where we tend to be non-religious. Some people say atheists, agnostics. But at the end of the day, the religious fabric in this part of the world is definitely very, very low. Um, so the religious way is another reference is legalism. I'll give you definitions and you can think about these, okay? I have to obey the rules. The essence of religion is people tend to think is there's rules to be kept and I must keep the rules because that's what it means to be religious. I don't know why I'm always talking to you guys. <laughs> but the truth is the religious way tends to create a, a culture of fear. They never really believe they're loved by God. You tend to create orphans more than sons and daughters. Religion doesn't, and, and I have to be careful because I'm generalizing. But what I need you to understand that if you want to find your way, if you want to go to a religious community, there's consequences. Religious communities, listen, they tend to control community. They tend to control who you can marry. They control how you live your life. 
and, and, and so if you're living in fear, you're kind of acting like you're free, but deep down you know you're not. And a religious community can have a lot of ceremony, a lot of ritual. It can present that we are holy. But the truth is deep within our soul. And that's where you've got to figure it out. Do you want that for your life? Do you want that for your children? Do you want that for your marriage? I need God, but I will try to keep the rules and earn my salvation. You still don't accept that you've got it as a gift. Self-effort, high morals. I have to mentality, not a I want to mentality. The absence of relationships causes fear. Seeking for approval and acceptance by giving outward performance. That's what religion does. If I do what you want, all will be well. But what happens when you don't do what is expected? And that's where we've got to actually realize that people will walk away from religion. Why? Because they don't see that as their way forward. And some people find that that's the only way they're going to live their lives. And they need to be set free. Why? Because you're not supposed to live in fear of your heavenly father. You're supposed to have faith, not fear. I'm just playing some thoughts here so you can think about it. The second area is what we would call the secular way. The non-religion way. This is what often is referred to as liberalism. And this is a spirit of, I'll make my own rules, thank you. I don't need your rules. I'll come up my own set of rules. And sometimes people can have a little bit of both. I got a few kind of religious rules and then I got some kind of like, I've made up some own, my own version. I got my own version of Jesus, thank you. I got my own set of values. I got my own version of the truth. And liberalism is, is, is really backed up with this idea of I'm entitled. Don't mess with someone who's trying to fulfill their lives through a liberalized life. Because if you mess with it, you'll find that what will come out of them is, is I'm entitled. I'm owed this. Because there's a lack of identity. I don't know who I am. It's hard to receive anyone that is clear on who they are. Entitlement is the only way I navigate it. So I'm owed. And this is really something you've got to understand. Listen, on a practical level, for most of us in this room, we understand, okay? We live in a liberal society. I think most of us would agree. There is a, a rise in different political systems. Um, uh, we still advocate, most of us, we, we think democracy is under attack or democracy our way forward. But at the end of the day, let me just simplify it, okay? A liberal society can only be held together with the rule of law. But it's not the rule of law of God, it's the rule of law of man. Or it's a human system designed to hold a liberal society in account. You break the law, you pay the price. If you break the law... Civil law, you will be held accountable. And so we have to put our trust in a, justice, in a justice system. We have to put our trust in judges and courts and some supreme courts, regional courts, local courts. I want justice. And this is what it means. The rule of law is a counterbalance to liberal. If you have no rule of law, liberalism turns into absolute anarchy and chaos. Why? Because who is going to hold you accountable? Where are the constraints? It's held together because of fear. I don't want to be locked away. 
I don't want to have a high fine. So coming back to this, the religious way tends to divide community. Let me tell you about the, relig- the secular way. Listen to me, it's so interesting because it tends to divide community. The secular way tends to divide community. I don't need God and I'll find my own way. Self-help, self-centered, independent, individualistic. There's many ways. It all looks good, but the truth is it ends up dividing. Pinterest friendships are not godly. What's a Pinterest friendship? I like purple, so do I. Let's be friends. But what happens if I change to green? Unfollow, block, cancel. Tries to find meaning and purpose with achievements and performance. A liberalized society will still try to validate themselves by, look what I've achieved, look what I've accomplished, look at my degrees, look at my PhD, look who knows me, look who listens to me. In certain parts of the world, they need to know who the speaker is. How famous are they? How celebrity oriented are they? Certain parts of the world, they want to know how big the speaker is before they'll decide. In other parts of the world, they don't care how big the speaker is. They want to know the topic. And is the speaker qualified to talk on the topic? Which geographical location am I locating ourselves in? I'm not trying to be a famous pastor. I don't want that. I want to be like every parent, unseen influence on our children. I want to see the children go forward. Our sacrifice is rewarded by their progress. That's the truth of heaven. That's how God builds His church. I don't need followers. You'd never follow me on Instagram. I just put dog photos, food photos. In fact, I don't even do that. And I just do artwork. That's it. I'm not even interesting to follow. You're probably way more interesting but don't send me something because I probably won't follow you. (laughs) But the last one is, and this is where I'm trying to land, okay? Religious community tends to control a liberalized community or trying to find freedom in their own way tends to divide because it doesn't accept differences. Actually, it's quite the opposite. It sounds like it's accepting, but it's not. You have to even conform and perform even in their way. But the gospel is the way God builds a new kind of community. And the beautiful thing about the gospel is I surrender to the love of Christ. I want to serve. I need God and only Jesus can do for me what I cannot do for myself. Self-surrender and a willingness to let go. Inside transformation with external impact in community and society. Servanthood, service towards others, motivated by love. Living from acceptance, not for acceptance. Living from approval, not for approval. Living from love, not for love. I could go on and on and on. Living as a son, not as an orphan. Living connected, not disconnected. So I would like to ask us, in this room today, are we wanting to build a gospel kind 
of community, a new kind of community where people from all walks of life can find a sense of oneness, a sense of harmony, not because we have to conform, because our uniqueness is honoured, because Christ is at the centre. You don't have to perform for no one. You don't have to dress yourself up, dress yourself down. You don't have to walk a certain way, talk a certain way, perform a certain way. The Gospel frees us because of who we are and who we belong to. You don't have to fit in to someone else's version of who you're supposed to be. You are the perfect version God has ever wanted. He just needs you to figure that out. You're not a copy and you're not a clone. You are a profound, unique child of God. And our societies don't like us to be different. Don't be too loud. Don't be too soft. Don't stand out too much. Don't draw too much attention. We are constantly, constantly eroded by the opinions of others. You can't have an account like that because all the influencers want it this way. Okay, so I can't do this? No, you have to do this. You've got to perform a certain way at work. And I'm not saying all of these things are bad. The truth is when you know who you are, you can navigate tricky waters. When you know who you are, you can navigate the twists and turns of rivers. If you hit a dam, you go over it. If you hit some rocks, you bounce back up in Jesus' Name. You've got much better chance of navigating the twists and turns of life if you know what a Gospel community looks like. Not self-seeking, but serving. How can I help? How can I care? Do we want to be cared for? Yes. But do we want to care for each other? I don't want to go to a church where three people are employed to care for everyone. I want to go to a church where everybody cares for everybody. Well, I can't care for everybody. No, we're not asking you to care for everybody. We're just asking to care for the one person next to you. Care for yourself. Care for your family. Care for your husband. Care for your wife care for your friends, care for your community group. We're not asking you to care for the whole church, but did you, would you be willing to come to the house of God today and say, hey, who can I love? Who can I pray for? Who can I help? Who can I care for? Let me tell you, that is a magnet to a lost, dying generation. Will it come under attack? Yes, because the enemy hates a unified church. But let me tell you, what kind of community do you want to be? Religious? Get ready for the control. Liberal, get ready for the chaos and the division. Oh, we're just so liberal. Really? I guarantee you will get more silos and more divisions within a self-seeking liberalization society. Why? Because it's all about you. And God turns up and says, Father, put all the mess on me and put all the righteousness on them. That's the gospel. So why don't we stand to our feet and why don't we just take this moment to celebrate together and just realise that God has started a new community. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a new position and He's given us a new sense of purpose so we can be on mission in a broken world.